Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Ramirez, and welcome to the Hit List Podcast, a podcast where me and the guests cross off films from our watch list and discuss them. This is Season 5, Episode 7. Today, I'm joined by fellow filmmaker and Season 1 veteran and fellow Latino as well, Pedro Castro Jr. Welcome back, Pedro. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be back. I'm really excited to talk about this movie, and uh, congrats to, to on Season, what, 5 already? Yeah. Season 5, yeah. Yeah, the way I do seasons is like I do it by literally each season of the year. So oh, that's smart. <laughs> so it's, a it's good not framework. like it's not like year one, year two. No, no, it's mm-hmm. like fall season and then spring season two. Fall season, spring season. So yeah, that's how it goes. All right. So I got a couple of questions for you, little um, icebreakers, so we can like get back into you, see what you've been up to the past two years, see if your viewing habits have changed. So my first question. Have your viewing habits changed much since your last on the show? So since now I am in, in grad school, I've had, had a lot of time to watch uh, movies recently. I think this this the, this movie that we watched was one of the few movies that I actually sat down and, and watched it all through and through. Uh, but I've been mm-hmm. watching a lot of TV, a lot of like uh, a 20 minute, 30 minute episode, like uh, what's called uh, What We Do in the Shadows, Community. Hey uh brooklyn 99 i've been watching stuff like that and of course like Andor, star wars fan of course i have to watch that <laughs> yeah you even recommended i watched solo last time i was you were on the podcast i haven't gotten around to it yet but i, I do hear good things about Andor, which i'm glad about and really good yeah all right so my second question for you is uh i like this question because i get to learn some new things about my guests what's something about you that most people wouldn't know oh wow uh Something about me that people wouldn't know. I guess maybe my closest friends do know this, but I'm like really into like this kind of like mysterious, strange kind of aesthetic. Maybe that's like kind of what the the movie is about, like the tone that the movie oh, sets yeah. that we watch that we're going to be talking about later. I like that kind of stuff, like the back rooms, liminal kind of stuff. I think in my Instagram, I put like... uh see me in the back room stuff like that <laughs> i found it really interesting i think it's something maybe and that's why i chose this movie I, I found that really interesting and i wish there could be more to explore there's a lot of to explore about in the, in that area but i think that's one of the things kind of weird i know but yeah yeah <laughs> i think have you ever worked as like a security guard no okay because i used to work as a security guard like years ago mm-hmm. and i would always work like the night shift like 12 a.m to 8 a.m Mm-hmm. And like just like the vibe of like being in a building with like all the lights up, like people go, people are are. It's like I want I don't want to say it's like a lived in space, but it's like an office space. But it's creepy because there's no one in there except for me. It feels off, right? Like you see those <laughs> images of people just alone in rooms, or you watch those scenes, and it's just it feels off. Yeah, but at the same time, it feels in- it feels interesting. I don't know. It's something about it that I, I find interesting. You should try at least once, like be a security guard for just one night. I think you'll like it. <laughs> Maybe. I'll sick you video games right now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Something about me, though. Most people don't know. I almost had a rap career during my undergrad years. Really? Yeah. reason why it didn't go forward is because I'm not good at rap. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, did you like ever like try to record your own like like stuff or something? You yeah, went all was- the way? It was more like experimental stuff, like just learning how to practice and everything. I'm the type of guy where like I'll practice a lot behind the scenes before I'm even public about it. Mm-hmm. So the point where like people are like, wait, Jason, I don't know you could do that. Well, I just never really 
thought to it. tell you. Yeah. yeah. So oh, that's really interesting. What, what, yeah. why, what would your uh, your rap name be if you would have gone <laughs> to it? It's funny. It's um J Remy. <laughs> okay. So it'd be like it'd be like Jeremy. Mm-hmm. But it's like J Remy. J Remy. I like it. Yeah, because I don't like the Lil Lil. It's used so much, you know. Um, yeah. Lil Nas X, you know. Lil John, like nah, nah. You didn't. I, like like, I feel like it's a stereotype now. It's like just Lil. Like yeah. you used to have Lil. It's like okay, you want to be a rapper. <laughs> no, but like, Jay Remy is like, oh, he knows some literature. <laughs> Sounds like a DJ as well. It does. You're DJ right. DJ Remy. Hey, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> or DJ Remy, one hundred one point six. WXTA. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So today we're going to be discussing a film called Come True. Come True is a Canadian science fiction horror film written and directed by Anthony Scott Burns. The film follows a teenage runaway who takes part in a sleep study that becomes a nightmarish descent into the depths of her mind and a frightening examination of the power of dreams. The film stars Julia Sarah Stone and Landon Liboiron. This film was on Pedro's watch list. Pedro, what was this film on your list? So I am a huge fan of the director, but I did not find him through his movies. I found him through his music. So he uh, he goes under the name Pilot Priest for this, and he ha- he made one of my favorite songs. I guess it's it's an instrumental, but he, it's one of my favorite songs, and called Archive Seven. And then from there, I followed him on Instagram, and then he was promoting this movie, and he looked really interesting, and I really liked the 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 feel that his songs uh make you feel so uh i checked that out the trailer and i'm like this looks really interesting and then until until right now i was able to uh to watch it yeah i'm not sure how to describe it. it's like kind of like techno music right yeah like um, synth and techno yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I listened to a few of his songs and it just gave me it just reminded me of that um movie drive with ryan gosling if yeah. you remember that movie i love mm-hmm. that movie i need to watch it again but yeah so what did you think I I enjoyed it. I like the way that I like those kind of movies that live are like super open ended and like it's up to the audience to figure out what happened or what's going on. So I like that. But at the same time the other half of me was like I want to know more, I want to I don't want to I don't know what happened. So I'm kind of divided in there. So um yeah, that's that's where my initial thoughts when I f- when I finished watching it and then later on I was I I started looking more into it, and and I was really interesting looking at the mm. theories that the other people thought about. It was really interesting to to see that. Yeah, I can pretty much say the same thing because when I was younger, I would have like dreams almost every day. I learned how to like, what's it called? Like where you you, you know you're in a dream, you can control it. What's it called again? It's like uh, oh, it's called. It starts with an L. I forgot. Liminal? Either way, liminal. No, limin- liminal? Uh, no, no, we're thinking liminal spaces. <laughs> yeah. Lucid dreaming. There we go. Lucid dreaming. There we go. So yeah. I, I I knew how to do that and everything. But like over the years, I just like, I guess my stress levels like got increased to the point where like, I don't dream as much anymore. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, I saw Inception and most people know this, but that's the movie that made me want to become a filmmaker. And so I would write like stories kind of like set in the world of Inception, you know, kind of like my own little fan fiction, but like, mm-hmm. like a spinoff of like the, the movies. So I've always been interested in like the concept of like dreams and using them in your films, like um, Friday the Thirteenth as well. Uh, no, no, never mind. That's Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street with uh, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah. So I I like the idea behind this movie, and I I saw the trailer, and I was really intrigued by it. 
I I pretty much felt felt like the same thing as you did. Like I liked the idea behind it, and the nightmare scenes looked really amazing. It was like, bro, this is like really cool. I've never seen anything like it. You know, yeah. um, there was moments. It, I'm sorry, but there was like moments there were those scenes, like the dream scenes. I wasn't sure it was CGI or practical because right. they're really good. Yeah, because I know um, the director, he worked as a VFX artist for years before he started directing like films. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that might have been part of it. I didn't, I couldn't find anything behind how it was made, but I think VFX was a part of that as well. But at the same time, like I appreciated the art behind it and the cinematography. They did a really good job with the cinematography. I just wasn't impressed with the storyline you know Mm -hmm. i didn't i hated the ending (laughs) to this movie Um, yeah it was it was a bold decision to include that ending let's say i would say it's a huge cop-out we're gonna spoil this movie basically throughout the film the main character she's doing a sleep study because most because she wants to find a place to sleep because she has a troubled home we don't really know what's going on between her mom and her but she decides to do the sleep study because she would. Uh, she's homeless essentially. She sleeps in the playground at night, and in the sleep study, she at first she's fine, but then later on she has nightmares. And through a process, a sequence of events, eventually it ends with her it looking like her, she kills one of the doctors by gouging out his eyes, and then going into the bathroom and then seeing a message on her phone. She laughs, and we see the message on the phone basically saying like. Hey, we're trying to reach you. You're in a coma for, you've been in a coma for the past 20 years. years. We're using our technology to see if we could reach your, but we don't know how it's going to reach you. And I was, I, I don't want to say I was mad. I just want to say like, this could have been done a little bit better. If it went I, for, I do agree with that. I think the storyline could have gone different ways to make the story stronger. Yeah. And I'm not sure which theories you read, but I've read a couple of like analysis of the films basically saying like there were attempts to wake her up, but each time she had a seizure, it was just them trying to reach her through the technology, but they couldn't reach her. It was just her subconscious, like not letting her go. And then the last sequence, she's trying to do it, but the subconscious wouldn't let her go. And I can understand where that's coming from, but it's just, I'm the type of guy like, well, I don't say it's just me, but like there's like a thin line you need, you need to balance between subtlety and just being more obvious you know um i think they went way more into the subtlety area and then veered right into the obvious right at the end you know yeah i i i agree with that i i i have whenever i used to like make movies back then when i used to, was studying film i did struggle with that uh balance like you said with being subtlety and like whatever whatever is obvious and it's really hard to balance it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel like it was all subtle, all subtle, all sudden at the very end. It's like, okay, eh, I don't know if that decision was was really thought out, but uh, I guess it works. I mean, yeah. well, you know what it reminds me of? Oh, um, what? I made a student film back when I was an undergrad. Um, this would have been my second feature, not second feature, my second narrative film. It was a mm-hmm. horror film and it was a concept was very similar to Nightmare on Elm Street with dreams and whatnot. And it's not my best work. You know, some people liked it, but I hated it. Mostly because like the production side was very stressful mm-hmm. to the point like I shot it chronologically, right? So the first two minutes, the first two minutes are amazing because I was actually trying. 
And then the last six minutes is just me putting some shit together because I don't know what the hell was going on. And then the last minute is just a cop ending similar to this one. The only because I didn't care enough to finish it the way I wanted to finish it. I just needed to turn the grade in. So I don't want to compare my shitty suited film to this feature film. Mm -hmm. But I am. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can see where you're coming from. I had the same, uh, kind of the same. Like you said earlier, you were drawn to Inception, right? Like dreams and all that stuff. I I started getting into that kind of stuff uh, freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. It was... I started uh, investigating more about lucid dreaming and how we would do that. I would like s- try out all these like different methods to try to lucid dream. And there was times where it felt weird. It felt I was just experimenting with myself, like kind of mm-hmm. like in the movie. So I'm like, I got an idea, and I made this movie called uh, "You Still Have Time." It was basically like it was about mental health. It was like sui- about suicide, but it starts with this uh, college student waking up, and it's very it was very uh. Uh, liminal space and um, throughout the, uh, we, we shot it here at UT campus so it was throughout it was at night so it felt very surreal very ethereal and she goes throughout the thing she hears voices there's things going on the ta- the clock tower is like uh, just sounding super loud at the very end who out that she is she's about to jump and everything that was happening just was happening in her head hmm but uh yeah later on years later it was like i could have gone different ways with this i could have done it better because um i don't know i I felt like i added a a lot of symbolism going back to that balance between subtlety and 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 whatever what's obvious and yeah i I feel like i could have done better with that one i think our excuse is that we were still learning you know yeah (laughs) yeah i'll take (laughs) it um, also, this is for this was for a class, right? Yeah, this is for no, so no, we, no, no, no. This no, it was for me. It was for me. Okay. Because I haven't had I haven't had a uh, the chance to shoot a movie in a while, like my own kind of stuff. Well, type class, so I shot this like in two days. Mm-hmm. So I made. So it. yeah. So our excuse is that we were still learning. You know. Yeah. The reason why it sucks is because we we sucked at first. Mm-hmm. Um, this one. Like, I think we kind of, like, agree. It could have gone for, like, another draft, and it would have been fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the the cinematography is there. You know, the direction is there. The VFX are there. And the concept and the acting is all there. It's just the stories where it lacked. But, yeah, how about this? Let's change the pace. What did you like about the movie? Uh, you said it already. The cinematography was really good. There was a several shots that I were like, oh, my God, it looks amazing. I, there mm-hmm. was one shot... In the beginning, like right in the beginning where she's uh, sleeping in the slide, but everything's dark around her. There's just like a spotlight on her. Yeah. That was really interesting. And then uh, we talked about the dreaming scenes. Those were really good. The tone that the cinematography uh, set throughout the whole film was really good. The acting was really good. Uh, the the music. I mean, the oh, music yeah. coming from the director, Pilot Priest. I felt like the like the the soundtrack was really good. Um, I was, what was the name of that? us music that they played the, the track uh modern fears by pilot, pilot priest and electric youth i think yeah i i heard it during that scene and i added it on spotify it was <laughs> it's a really good it was a really good track but i think those are uh the music and the cinematography were probably the highlights of that movie for me and the concept yeah. i really like the concept uh the director he did like music videos before right yes i think so okay because like i know he made music bit 
that one scene that I think we both know what we're talking about where she's watching um, Riff's dream. Mm-hmm. That felt very much like a music video. I was like, you know what? Let's put this as a musical. Yeah, this looks like a musical a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And I think it was one of... I think it was not, I think it was the only scene that used like an actual song. Right. Yeah. It was a really nice moment there. Like like a little shift in tone. Like it was kind of happy. But um yeah, I really enjoyed that little little bit. I would say the same thing as you said as cinematography and the music. It's it, it was pretty cool. I also liked the I want to say the villain was just like a shadow with glowing eyes. I thought that was like pretty cool. I wasn't that intimidated by it but i was like you know what? that's a pretty cool concept i think that's something that like most people i think it's like a universal figure that's like to be afraid of like whenever you're out in the woods and you see a shadow it's like mm-hmm. whoa who are you you know or like you see a silhouette of a person in a dark room uh who you, you're not familiar with you're like oh shit i'm about to die you know yeah no yeah it was really interesting the way they they constructed that character or that that shadow. I'm still wondering if it was CGI. I I've tried to uh, replicate the eyes. Like mm-hmm. How do you how do you make the eyes? Like how do you make the just a black figure and just like two points of light coming out of your your eyes? I think interesting. This is my guess. Um, just like you know, like those body suits, like those color body suits, like just do like mm-hmm. a black one or maybe a green one for special effects, and they just put like LEDs on its on like on the eyes just strap it on and then in post like trying to like darken around the face so you only see like the eyes coming out and like the silhouette that's my guess on how it was made yeah because uh i feel like those those skin tight suits might make the body look weird you're right but yeah but the the way they pictured it here the figure was kind of like meaty and you can see the texture it was oh you can see the texture where you can like feel you can feel it like it's real right felt weird Felt, yeah, it felt strange to to see. I think they did a really good job in that in that area. I wish there was like a interview with like the person who did that specifically because it was a really good, cool effect. Like with the scene where the two, you could see the two. It was like the screen, the screens with the two men who were dreaming. They were like in sleep paralysis, and then the shadow figure appears to both of them, and then it's like yeah. in sync. So it looks like it's the same shadowed figure that's visiting both of them at the same time, even though it's mm-hmm. in their mind. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, like I wasn't scared when that scene happened. I was like, oh, I mean, it's kind of obvious that it would appear to both of them at the same time. But that, what did you, what did you think when that happened? I wasn't scared, but I just felt, I felt really uh, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I, think that, I think that's the word. Uh, I felt uncomfortable. It felt very eerie. And, and then I think what, what, there was something the doctor said, like the main doctor, it was just like, there's something primal that we all share that whenever we see it, we, we free, like our body freezes. And I think that, mm-hmm. the, I think that concept or I, I feel like that story should have followed that, that idea. Yeah. I think it would have been, I think it would have been better, but I think I read in an interview with the director it was like, it's not a, it wasn't about sleep paralysis. It wasn't about that concept it was about following the journey of uh sarah but i don't know like i feel like it would have played better if i, we I agree that with you i agree with you it would have been a lot better if they were looking for the sleep paralysis demon and throughout the film it kind of like haunts each of them as they go to sleep because they dare to understand what he was um or what it was yeah because i i 
I felt like in like at the middle of the movie, we shifted towards this, the study about sleep and more about her story. We started following her more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it, it would have been more interesting to to just follow that that concept about sleep and sleep paralysis and how we don't really know what's going on while we dream. Yeah, yeah. Damn, it, it's just a lot of missed opportunity with this film. Like it could have gone. Angry. Yeah, I think we could. I, I think we could do it better, man. We got the Latino James Cameron, the Latino Martin Scorsese right right here. Calm <laughs> down, and then we do, we both like this kind of stuff, like dreams and, and creepy stuff and eerie stuff. So I think we should try it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, watch us out next year, guys. You know the next Ramirez Castro film coming out twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's just soon. I think maybe two thousand twenty five. Twenty twenty four, man. We gotta do this soon. Okay, actually, no, 2025 makes sense. We got we don't want to rush this. We don't want to rush art. Yeah. All right. So, oh, actually, let's talk about the clues that she's in a coma. So, I didn't pick up on this. I don't think anyone picked up on that she was in a coma the whole time. It's kind of up in the air as to whether she got in a coma right after she had sex with the doctor when she fell asleep or if she was in a coma throughout the whole film. What do you think? Like, I did which, see a bunch of theories about that. Uh, I said they, don't, they both make sense. Like there's both, there's both, ev- there's evidence for both theories about was was it either a coma for the entirety of the movie or she fell in a coma sometime in one of the one of the seizures that she gets. So I felt like it was throughout the whole movie because the whole movie feels like a dream. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like it could have done. It could, she could have gone into a coma during one of the trials, maybe the first trial, or maybe whenever she got that seizure in the laundromat. Because mm-hmm. after that, that's when things get weird. Like through, with the lady that wakes that wakes her up, that she's blind, and yeah. she loses her phone, and then she starts seeing all the other stuff. So I feel like people can interpret it both ways. Like it could be both can be, and I. I I wonder what the director would think about this. It would be like, oh, like I want to look into his mind and see what, what, how he, what he was thinking when he was writing the movie. <laughs> I think we all kind of want to see what he was thinking. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that she was going to come out the whole time. I saw this theory that was basically saying like the whole time she was like, you know, running away from her mom is because she didn't want to confront the idea that she was actually in a coma. Like, the way I saw it was, like, after watching the movie, the way I saw it was, like, she avoided the mom because it just wasn't comfortable to come back awake. Maybe she's part of the reason why she's in a coma. And every time she spoke to her, that's, like, the mom visiting visiting her in the hospital trying to say, trying to speak to her, get her to wake up. That's how I saw it. That's how I saw it, too. It's, like, if, this, if she's in a coma throughout the whole thing, then the mom's visiting her. And maybe the dark shaders are the, the doctors trying to, trying to like, wake her up and like doing all his stuff to try to contact her in her dreams. Yeah, and I also saw some like numerology theories as well, like the number seven eleven, which is like when she wakes up in the beginning of the movie, it's the it's seven eleven a.m. And I don't, I'm not into numerology, so I might have gotten this wrong. It's like it's the beginning of a journey or whatever. That's what it means. And that later on, there's the n- a number ten o one p.m. 10-01. Um, which is like a mirrored number, something about guardians or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too. If it was, if it was intentional on a director to do that, I guess that's fine. But 
I'm not too much into numbers. I don't really find that much meaning in numbers to put so much focus on them. Mm-hmm. That's just how I am. I'm sure other people do. But that's some other figures I saw like, oh, okay. I guess that kind of makes some sense because she's always with her phone. And then once she, does, once she doesn't have her phone anymore, she's not comfortable anymore. She's lost her comfort zone. I saw it as like, that's her tether to her subconscious. And once she loses it, she's uncomfortable. And I guess that was their way of trying to like get her to work to get out of the coma. And that whole walk through the woods at midnight, the shadows that they see on the screen... Mm-hmm. I think that's like the doctors trying like on her side on the bed, like seeing if she'll actually like go through with it or like the scientists. Yeah. And the last thing that she was supposed to see in her dream that was getting like a device. I think that was the thing that was supposed to wake her up. But as soon as Riff like clicked the phone, she woke up. So that's how I saw it. Yeah, there was a lot of mean sim- symbolism around there. And I like the, co- I like the idea of having an active audience like, they watch your movie and then you want them to go out and try to figure it out. Okay, what's going on? All the symbolisms. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a limit. There's a limit where yeah. uh, there's a limit. Was like, okay, I can't figure this out. I'm not gonna entertain this movie anymore. But uh, yeah, the the numerology in this movie, I think it was interesting. It was well placed. Um, there was another one, another thing that she he used. Oh, the chapters. The oh yeah 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 yeah. What was it? It was I think I the union, the car Jung. Yeah, it was the self, the the anima, animus, the shadow, and and the persona. Yeah, I think I think that was a really interesting element to include, and I think I think it worked out in in the in the story. But again, it was because he, like the director, wanted to focus on Sarah's journey. Mm-hmm. The, the these chapters wouldn't have worked if it was. Uh, going through the the concept of dreams and stuff. All right, let's get into the production of the film. So it was shot in Canada, and the lead actors Julia and Landon both praised the director, saying he was like an actor's director. He was very collaborative with them as to their choices. But the most difficult scene for them, especially especially for Julia, was walking through the woods in the middle of the night because it was very, very cold. It's in, it's in Canada, and she's only wearing a hospital gown. Yeah. So I, I understand. I, I, I don't want to say I understand, but, like, I can empathize with that, you know? I can sympathize. I'm not sure if I'm using that right. <laughs> and for, like, also that finale, they had, like, huge fog machines. I think that's pretty obvious. You can't um, – they kind of need the aesthetic – you're gonna need yeah, fog that was machines. A, it was huge clouds of fog everywhere at towards the end. <laughs> the thing I liked about this movie that I, I truly admire, it looked like it had more people than they actually had. It was essentially just a five man crew throughout the whole thing. Oh, and really? I didn't I didn't I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's um and pretty much it looked like how how do I say this? It looked like just like a regular indie project, but there but the talent is is there that they it looks like it's more than what they had, you know? Yeah. And that's, put, yeah. that's something I can always appreciate. You know, money is everything when it comes to film. Mm-hmm. It's, it really comes down to hard work and skill. So that's something I really appreciate with that. The, I, you know, I saw like sliders, I saw lights, tripods, DSLR rigs, you know, with like a focus gear and a monitor, like boom mics, 
stuff that like uh, we both would probably already have, you know, as a videographers, you know, yeah. shoulder rigs, shotgun mics. The only thing that like looked like cost a little bit more money, I guess two things, because the the lenses were like one of those really expensive lenses, but the camera body was like a mirrorless camera. And there's also the camera mounted onto the car that looked like it cost a little bit more, but it wasn't like anything too crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's something I liked about this film is that they used wheelchairs and hoverboards to like move the camera. That's any filmmaking for you. Yeah, so the wheelchair, obviously, it was used for the hospital scene. The hoverboard was when when she's walking out in the middle of the night in the hospital gown um, throughout the city. I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Like, I can't balance on any type of skateboard. So anyone who does that always impresses me. I don't care. And to do that with a camera, very impressed, sir. Very impressed. I remember when I did mine. I think we used... No, no, it wasn't mine. It was someone else's. We used a, a shopping cart. <laughs> the camera classic yeah classic so yeah that's pretty much all i saw unfortunately i'm not well versed in visual effects uh, or cgi to know exactly what went into the nightmare scenes i just know that um the director is a vfx artist so he might have done it all himself he might have got hired some people to do it mm-hmm. but i couldn't find any from any information about the online so if you want to learn more about vfx from me i'm sorry i have disappointed you yet again and i will disappoint you again until i learn vfx it's hard man <laughs> and then you and then you need a you need a, like a very powerful computer to be able to like render those stuff bro i know oh, it's so frustrating i tried well i did learn blender last year um, but I'm the type of guy where like I will learn a bunch of things at the exact same time and then eventually overwhelm myself and then I stop because I of the burnout. So but I, I learned how to make a donut on Blender. I did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> a donut? Uh, that's, that's funny. What was it's, that uh, program that After Effects used? Element 3D, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch any tutorials. I just went... Well, I watched tutorials on how to use, but I didn't like any know any of the basics back then, because I was trying to include like three D models into my movies and stuff, and and I just couldn't get it. I I, I needed the <laughs> basics, and I couldn't I couldn't sit down through the basics. It was I don't know, it was too much, and and then I I heard that the rendering times were taking forever, and you had needed a wow a, a huge computer to process everything, and I was just working from my laptop. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have the equipment for this. So I just rather like direct. <laughs> yeah. That was me with After Effects. Um, I have a connection in, you know, in Los Angeles. You recommend I learn After Effects because that's what it's kind of becoming more a standard. Like if you know Premiere, you should also know After Effects. Um, during the initial year of the pandemic, I tried to learn After Effects. I got, I got okay at it, but then when it got to more, a little bit more intermediate stuff, mm-hmm. I found out that my computer was not capable of doing that. I only have eight gigabyte, eight gigabytes of RAM and the minimum that's needed for After Effects is at least 16. Yeah, it's gonna catch in fire. Yeah, so unfortunately I couldn't continue. I did buy a computer back in August, but I just need to get a monitor. The reason why it was mm. so cheap is because they didn't come with a whole set. I just like buy mm. that set separately. It's just a matter of setting it up, you know? Yeah. One thing I did want to bring up is that, do you remember that viral short film from back from 2013 called the flying man it i don't was think just, so it was just a creepy man 
flying around and and then the theme of the story just revolves around people well it was, it was like two guys like trying to figure out what it what it is i Maybe. see the imdb for it um i don't think i've seen it though you think you've seen it well i, I remember watching it. i was very fascinated by it because it was really like it was the same same tone as this one it was very eerie very strange it felt weird and then yesterday when i was uh researching the movie I found out that director for Come True was the cinematographer for that, the fine really? man. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And in, and I had not uh, heard about, the, uh, no, not heard about, I had not thought about this movie, uh, The Flying Man, in a while. And then just looking into it just brought back like a core memory that I had when <laughs> I was a kid. It was, it was, it was strange just to seeing that because I, I kind of remember being fascinated by it, but at the same time, I don't remember watching it. Maybe it was like through like people making edits of it, like trying to make it real, and then uh, later on, later on, trying to finding out that it still actually was from a short film. Yeah, it was like um, that reminds me of like that movie Signs when like early internet, like two thousand four, they would take that one clip of the alien walking at the birthday party exactly and yeah. ma- made it more shitty camera quality uploaded it online to make it look like it was real people were like yo is that an alien but it's like no it's from a movie <laughs> yeah yeah that same thing happened to me it was really creepy seeing just the clip and then i watched the movie it's like oh this is where it's from mm-hmm. i like uh anthony scott burns work pilot priest i hope he continues making movies i feel like he has a lot of uh different and interesting concepts that he can build movies around and I don't know. He gives me like Ari Aster vibes. I feel like like he keeps on he keeps on doing his his thing. He might maybe pull out something really good in the near future. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like he, I don't want to. If if he's listening to this, I don't want to say like, <laughs> um, you're not talented. No, I think he has a talent. He's worked on the he's worked in the industry for more years than we've both both of us have either been alive. You know. Yeah, um, and I do look forward to the next movie. I just hope he learns from this movie to see what else he can improve upon. Because that's the only thing we can do. We can only improve upon what we did before. Yeah. So I do look forward to the next movie because he gave you more like um, David Cronenberg vibes. You know. Yeah. I never, I never seen his films, but like I know about it. I've seen some clips, so I was like, that's kind of like what it feels like to me. Yeah, I, I got a lot of uh, vibes that really uh, reflected. From uh, Hereditary or like The Lighthouse. Well, maybe mm. not The Lighthouse, maybe that the, the tone, but like just that indie feel, very interesting concept kind of, kind of thing. And I know I really enjoy it, and I I'm looking forward to whatever he does later on. And if he yeah. does, if he is listening to this, I really like your music. <laughs> you, you got some solid music, sir, Mister Pilot Priest. So that concludes our conversation today. Thank you so much, Pedro, for being here. Really appreciate you coming back here. Yeah, thank you for bringing me back. So, was Come True a hit or a miss with you? Putting the story aside, it's a hit mm. for me. I Last episode I worked on, recorded, was Barbarella. That, to me, was a technical hit for me. Uh-huh. For this film, unfortunately, I can't say technical hit. I do appreciate the artwork that went into it. For me, the hits were the visual effects, the cinematography, the music, the acting. Mm-hmm. But because of the story, because I got so mad, so frustrated at the ending, 
it's a miss for me. Like, it sucks that I had to say that. You know, it was like Game oh, of yeah, Thrones. It was it. like Game of Thrones for me. You know, it was like How I Met Your Mother. Uh, it was like it has such a good run, and when it ended like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, yeah, I get it. I, I understand, but I don't know. I, I wasn't really bothered by the ending because I was really taken away by everything else. But I respect. It. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. So where can we find you on social media? So I'm mostly on Instagram. You can fo- find me at Padcast10, P-E-D-C-A-S-T-10. <laughs> and that's where I communicate most of my other handles and work. But yeah, it's, Instagram is pretty much, pretty much it. Awesome. So that's it for today, folks. You've been listening to the Hitlist Podcast. This was Season 5, Episode 7. My name is Jason. And until next time, cross off a new film. Frame your list.